Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then, then at least help. let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inerrant word of God and they're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So, so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you. And Easter is the most important celebration in the Christian calendar as we not only remember the death, of Jesus that paid the penalty of our sins, but we also remember the resurrection. Jesus conquered sin and death and is alive. Well, before I get into my message, that was just like a bit of an excitement, you know, just, just to start off with. Um, I just want to thank people who stepped up last week when I was ill and uh, filled in for me, particularly Tim. Thank you. Um, and uh, the playground opening all went well and everything. It was wonderful. So um, thank you for those that, that stepped up. Um, after the service, I'd really like to encourage you um, to continue in that spirit of, of fellowship and enjoy um, some time together over a cuppa if you don't have to rush off. Uh, I know that uh, Easter holidays is usually time spent with family, and so we are normally a bit more relaxed, aren't we? So uh, if you don't have to rush off, don't. We'd love to, uh, to spend the morning with some fellowship with you as church family and extended family. You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've been engaging with council uh, in what they call a Shape Wangaratta panel. And so I've been in too many Zoom calls, too many. I've participated in some online surveys and some in-person surveys and face-to-face -face meetings and I've had the opportunity to speak into council's vision that will guide the council and the shire over the next 12 years and more specifically the next four. During these times, many, many, many words have been spoken. On Wednesday evening, those words were presented in a summarised form and then they asked for even more feedback on them. And so there was around 30 of us at that meeting, many, many Many, many more words were spoken. And I'm not sure about you, but sometimes I get a bit frustrated by all of these talk fests and, you know, come out of these meetings thinking, yeah, what on earth is that going to really do, you know? But there is actually great importance in these words. Once adopted by council, these words will guide the activity of council for the next four years and broadly the next 12. Each proposal and decision that's made is required to meet one of the things that come out of this panel um, session. And so I'm glad that I was selected and was able to have a voice 
in a small way and speak into that process. Don't blame me for stuff that I don't agree with, though. (laughs) Words are indeed powerful. They can be used for great advancement. They can be used for great positive effect, but they can also be used for some negative effect. You've probably heard me tell you the story of when I was, you know, 19, I was trying to get fit for our wedding and I thought, great, I'm going to go down and go for a jog. So I got in my car, I went down to the Hobart waterfront at rest point there, jumped out and started running. It was a beautiful sunny day and I had such a wonderful time. But then this this Commodore pulled up, the nice rumble of the V8 engine. And uh, these four guys inside this P-plate Commodore yell out, keep running, fatty. Words have power. I got back in my car, went straight home and have not gone jogging since. Words have power. And today, we're going to talk about some words of Jesus. On Good Friday, we looked at the last words of Jesus, which were all about forgiveness, love, grace, mercy, and submission to the Father's will. If you weren't here, you can go on YouTube and see it there. Today, I want to focus our attention on the first words of resurrected Jesus that Luke records. And they are, first of all, words of hope. You know, in our reading today, Rob read the account of the road to Emmaus. This account holds the first words that Luke records that resurrected Jesus spoke. Imagine the scene. A husband and wife, most likely, are walking home from Jerusalem after the Passover. And as they're walking, they're talking to each other discussing and recounting the amazing things that they had just witnessed and seen. And they're probably trying to work out what on earth this all means, tossing theories back and forth. I reckon he's the Messiah because of this aspect. No, no, I don't think he is because of this. And they were trying to work it all out. And in the middle of the conversation, Jesus draws near to them and says, what are you talking about? What's this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And we were told their eyes were kept from recognising that he was, in fact, Jesus. But they stopped walking. The Bible tells us they were saddened. It was almost as if they pitied this man who apparently had not heard what had happened. And Jesus asked them, what things? And so they recount the activities of the last couple of days in Jerusalem concerning Jesus of Nazareth and how the chief priests condemned him to death and crucified him. Luke is really clear that the human responsibility for Jesus' crucifixion lay at the feet of the religious leaders. But then this couple say something which I think is remarkable. They say some words. They say, we had hoped. They say that they had hoped Jesus was the Messiah. They had hoped that he was the chosen one. See, this highlights that these people's views of Jesus was very different to the religious leaders. 
They had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who would redeem Israel. Then they recounted the story of the empty tomb and the accounts that Jesus was alive. Verse 25 of Luke chapter 24, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. See, Jesus graciously set about explaining everything in context for them so that they would come to a full understanding of the truth and of the events that had just taken place. The religious leaders had obviously sown so much doubt, confusion and objection to Jesus being the fulfilment of prophecy that they were seeing with their own very eyes that these people walked away from Jerusalem not really even knowing what they had just witnessed. Yet they saw it with their own eyes. Was Jesus the Messiah? They hoped he was, but they were not certain. And so using the entire Old Testament, Jesus explained to them how not only the explicit prophecies about the Messiah, but also the historical pattern of God's activity again and again through the Old Testament, looked forward to Jesus himself. He gave them context and certainty that Jesus, whom they saw crucified, was the Messiah, and that the events that took place were indeed the fulfilment of the hope that they had. You see, the entire Old Testament has shown how God brought His chosen leaders first through suffering and then to glory. Therefore, the Messiah himself, in fulfilment of this extensive pattern and in fulfilment of many prophecies, would also suffer before entering into his glory. This glory comes at his resurrection, what we celebrate today, and more fully at his ascension into heaven, and we'll get there. Jesus travelled with them and late in the evening agreed to remain with them. Verse 30. When he was at the table, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to him. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Oh, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? You've been walking with this guy for seven miles down a road and he's explaining to you everything in the scriptures, all about him, who Jesus was and fulfilling the, the prophecies and everything. And then he breaks bread and vanishes as you realise he was a saviour. Wow, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? The first words resurrected Jesus spoke were words of hope. Jesus explained clearly that he was the fulfilment of what the people had hoped for. The next words of resurrected Jesus that Luke records are words of peace. They're found in verse 36. As they were talking about things, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said to them, Peace to you. This, of course, 
is in verses 36 to, to 49. The expression peace, the Hebrew word is shalom, in, in their culture had a much richer connotation than the English word does since it conveyed merely the absence, sorry, it conveyed not merely the absence of conflict and turmoil, but also the notion, the positive notion of blessing, especially in terms of a right relationship with God. That's a fuller meaning of peace. When Jesus walks into the upper room and says, peace to you, that's what he's meaning. Verse 37, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For the spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marvelling, he said to them, have you got anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Jesus calms the disciples who were obviously startled by his appearance amongst them, thinking he was a ghost or something. And more broadly, he begins to bring peace to their turmoil, doubts and confusion about the physical reality of Jesus' resurrection body and even questions about the reality of the resurrection itself. He convinces them that it really is him in the flesh, resurrected from the dead, alive and standing amongst them. He invites them to touch and see for themselves. Jesus proves to them by engaging their senses to confirm and attest that it really is him. He appeals to their sight. They can really see him. He appeals to their hearing. They can really hear him. He appeals to their touch. He invites them to touch him and see that he is real. And then to further convince them, he eats some fish. Dead people and and ghosts Don't eat food. Verse 44, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Oh, gee, I wish he could do that to us too. Wow. And said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus brings peace to their minds and a certainty about what they had witnessed. He opens their minds to a full understanding of the Scriptures. He sets their eyes on the work accomplished on the cross and the work before them to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations. 
And he promises them supernatural assistance from God the Father. And so with these words of peace, Jesus gives clarity about what they are to do. They are to wait for the empowering Holy Spirit to give supernatural assistance from God the Father to fulfill the mission of bearing witness and proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations. But there's also clarity that there is now peace between God and man for those who believe upon Jesus. That's the fuller meaning of peace that Jesus brought in these words. Paul explains it like this in Romans chapter 5, from verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and now we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were still enemies with God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have received reconciliation. We have received peace with God through the justification that comes by faith in our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Christ indeed died for our sins. He died for us sinners so we would be saved from the wrath of God. While we were enemies of God, he reconciled us. He brought us peace by the death of his son, which saves us. What glorious words of hope and peace. You know, the first words resurrected Jesus spoke were the words of hope. Jesus explained clearly that he was the fulfillment of what the people had hoped for. The second words resurrected Jesus spoke were words of peace. Peace bought by the sacrifice of Jesus and peace about what they were to do. And the final words resurrected Jesus spoke were words of blessing and purpose. Verse, 20, uh, verse 50 of chapter 24. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Luke only records here for us that Jesus blessed them. 
His blessing of them was not short or simple. Matthew, though, records for us the last words of blessing in chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So not only does Jesus bless the disciples and promise his ongoing presence, but he also gives his disciples purpose. And the purpose of all disciples of Jesus has remained the same ever since. Jesus has never rescinded the commission for his followers to follow. And that is that our purpose is to make disciples. Making disciples means sharing the hope of the gospel. It means teaching and instructing others about the gospel and Jesus. It means helping people come to a realisation of their standing before God, that we are indeed all sinners in need of a saviour and guiding them to repent and believe upon Jesus for their salvation. It means baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as they publicly declare their faith in Jesus. It means teaching them and helping them understand what Jesus is all about to obey the commands of Christ. It means helping them walk in the sure and certain hope that we have in Jesus. Our purpose continues to be the same to make disciples. That's how we bring hope and peace. Today we've seen the first words resurrected Jesus spoke were words of hope. Jesus explained clearly that he was the fulfilment of what the people had hoped for. The second words resurrected Jesus spoke were words of peace. Peace bought by the sacrifice of Jesus and peace about what they were to do. And the final words resurrected Jesus spoke were words of blessing and purpose. Our purpose continues to be to make disciples. That's how we bring hope and peace. So may you be encouraged this Easter to continue to bring hope and peace by making disciples, remembering the words of Jesus, which are hope, peace, blessing and purpose. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that indeed the words of resurrected Jesus have so much importance and so much meaning for us. Lord, we thank you for those words that are full of hope, that you indeed are the promised Messiah, that you came, that you lived amongst us, that you died according to prophecies, that you raised again, even more importantly, and that you are now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Lord, we thank you that you gave us and left us those words of hope. We also thank you that you gave us and left us those words of peace. We are not to fear, but you are with us. You have promised that. And we thank you that you've left words of blessing and purpose. That yes, Lord, you have promised that you'll be with us to the very end of the age and you've given us a purpose to make disciples. And so may we be encouraged today as Christians to act and live in our world full of hope, full of blessing, full of peace, and more importantly, full of the purpose that you've given us 
We pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.